looks like. So let me just go to that slide and then I'll take a break and answer some questions if you have any. So this visual helps kind of show um, what we're talking about in terms of the name of the program that the select board approved is called the Kin Electricity Choice Program in the upper left-hand Tom, corner. Could you make, if you don't mind, could you make this bigger on the screen? Is that possible? Um, I don't think so at this point. I'm full. And it is taking the entire screen up, unfortunately, because we're, our images are on there. You could you could make our images all small to the smallest one, so you just see talking. And then you'll see it better. That's what I've had to do too, Joe. And to do that, Patty, I think you just go scroll over the image and you see the right. options in the upper. Upper left corner. Yeah, of how to click so you shrink everybody's picture. Does that help? Hopefully that, it does. Okay. Did that help, Joe? Yes? No? Okay. Not exactly, but I'll, I'll have to figure it out. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Okay, great. So we're calling this program Can't Electricity Choice. Um, there's this, uh, I'm going to go left to right. The columns are just some descriptions in the first column. The second column is Eversource Basic. And that's if people choose to opt out of the program, they'll continue to stay as an Eversource customer. Um, then there's three tiers that will be offered as part of this program. Can't basic, can't standard green, and then uh, the can't plus green. So what you can kind of see just for illustrative purposes is the second row here, sample dollar rate by kilowatt hour. That's the cost of energy per unit that we use in our homes. And um, when this slide was made prior to the sort of pretty dramatic changes in the energy market. Um, this was a good example of a town that had a program in place that paid, was paying almost 18 cents a kilowatt hour for the basic electric service. And then you can see a pretty significant reduction in Kent basic service down to almost 11 cents. And what this really is, is showing you the power of aggregation. Um, we can't guarantee that there's going to be that significant of a savings from the what most people pay today under Eversource basic rates to this, you know, coming in under this program. But it's the idea of, you know, Costco or BJ's. It's got we're turning the town into a buying club for energy. And we're going to we expect to get a couple of benefits out of that, possibly better rates, more stability in the rates. Uh, that's what this fixed rate per for 36 months. I'm going down the left-hand side of the um, diagram. <clears throat> and then more renewables from New England than uh, what the basic service options offer. And um, the duration of the program is going to be typically longer. As some of you may know, your bill just went up today or yesterday for winter season rates on your electricity bill. And that changes every six months. It'll go back down in the summertime. Um, but so it gives you a little more stability if you're in, involved in this program. And you can see sort of going left to right again, the colors go from gray to green to greener. 
And that would be on the far right-hand side is this Canton Plus Green. That would be the highest percentage of renewable energy offered to town residents. In this example, we just said includes 50% more renewable energy certificates than required under the um, basic service. And what that means is we've negotiated a deal with the supplier and asked them to provide 50% more renewable than otherwise would be available. And as you can see, the rate of that at 12 cents is a little bit more than the standard green rate at 11 cents, which is a little bit more than the Canton basic rate at you know 10.6 cents. So that kind of gives you an idea of what we could expect. Again, the energy prices are very volatile right now. Um, and we have some time to hopefully see that settle down a little bit before we have to make a decision around um, exactly how we negotiate this price with the supplier. But let me take a breath and um, see if we have any questions from folks that um, I can try to answer. Um, and Patty, I can't see if there's people are writing in questions with the screen up. If folks are putting comments in, if you wouldn't there, mind. There doesn't appear to be anything in chat currently. Okay, great. Any questions? Go ahead, Jim. Uh, you mentioned the, the, an assessment based on work by a third party. How long would that assessment be in effect? And I know you probably can't give an, a, an exact cost on it, but what's an estimated cost, a roundabout cost of sure. that? The assessment for the program lasts for the duration of the program. Um, we have options as how long we would like the program to last. Uh, traditionally, they've been running around 36 months, three years for other programs that we've taken a look at, but they can run as short as 12 months. Um, the assessment estimate is around, the dollar value is around $65,000 a year. Um, and that is equivalent to, it's like, 0.0002 cents per bill, which is, you know, a fraction of a penny um, for every customer, for every unit that they consume. So I don't have off the top of my head what that translates to bill impact for customers at this point, but it's in designed to be negligible. Okay, thank you. Sure. Anybody else? If I could here. Go ahead, David. And then Joe, I know you have a question too. Uh, I'll let Joe go first. Come sure. Um, so I wanted to ask you uh, just a couple of things. Would there Could there be an option for 100% renewable? Because I know some residents might be interested in that. And also this order of how you have like the formal announcement, the public comment period, the public presentation, and then the communi communication to com community organizations, would it make more sense to have the public presentation first and then the public comment period after that? Sure. Um, let me take your first one, which is the 100% renewable. Yes, the short answer is yes. We could have um, 
in an offering of 100% renewable. Um, there are towns in Massachusetts that do that. And um, for us to help figure that out, whether there's an appetite for that, we have plans to do a uh, town survey, uh, like a one or two question survey to try to assess the appetite for a higher renewable percentage, uh, renewable energy percentage. The We're sort of estimating at this point, because it's new, what we've seen is towns that have renewed after the first three year period tend to increase the level of renewable energy that they offer because there's more awareness, there's a better appetite for it, they understand it, they're used to it. So our, our thinking is maybe we don't start off right away with 100% um, and just kind of work our way up to that level over time if, if that's what the town wants to see. Um, when we made the recommendation to the select board to go with the three-tier approach, we knew that we were, we're trying to keep it simple because there's, it's not intuitively obvious to most people what this whole thing is about. So we wanted to take a more conservative approach and sort of take smaller steps to get people used to this, which we could have had four tiers and the fourth tier would have been 100% renewable, but. Tom, um, let me ask you for a cl yeah. clarification. Yeah. Um, in other words, those tiers you were presenting, mm -hmm. the a, a resident wouldn't choose that, the actual um, program would choose one. Does that make sense? Um, I would say it a little differently that the resident has the option to choose one of the three if they That's want to participate. Yeah, if they want to participate in the program. And what I was saying before with that fourth option was if we could have had a fourth option, but we just thought it was going to be too confusing. Right. Mr. McCarthy, you had a question. I do. Thank you. Um, Tom, I thought from other towns that I've seen do this, and perhaps I'm way off, but I thought part of the standard green, whatever they're calling it in other towns, you actually got better rates than the basic of Eversource. Um, and by that, I mean the basic two. I'm, I'm a little puzzled by the difference between basic two and and just the Canton standard green three. The rates go up, not down. Um, so let me try again the, sorry for the confusion, but this, the difference between 17, eight and 10, six is lower, right? So you get, yeah. is that clear? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then, sorry, reframe your question again. Well, so if you choose Canton Standard Green 3, you're yeah. paying more than Canton Basic. Yes. So, And your question is why? Yeah. Okay. So this is intended to illustrate the cost of renewable energy is a little bit higher than traditional fuels, you know, fossil fuel sources in recent trends. So the higher percentage of green energy 
that you offer, the little, you know, the rate goes up a little bit. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. I, I just don't know if I remember seeing that in other towns that mm-hmm. it went up on that. Or is it just the state of today's market for renewable energy as in 2022 versus when they signed up in 2018 or it, it, this, yeah this is just a um an illustration that i grabbed from, i think it was the town of arlington and i i can't remember exactly when their contract was negotiated but it was at least two years ago now so I, I wouldn't get too wedded to the numbers at this point because it, it's very different today than it was. And it'll probably be different again in 12 months from what it is today. Sure. But, the, you know, just for illustrative purposes, green energy, renewables is not necessarily less than fossil fuels have traditionally been. But as we know, the price of oil and gas have gone up significantly in the last six, eight months. And it, which makes renewable energy more competitive, for sure. Okay. Thank Kathy, you. did you have a question, Kathy? Okay. Anybody else? Thank you, Oh, Tom. Uh, you had, um, let's see, I think it was um, Joe. You had another question about the order of things. Um, the... Basic order, let me go back to the previous page. I think you were getting that from this page. Is that correct? The major elements? Yes. Okay. This is a, a pretty well-worn game plan from, it, this has been around for several you know, years, A, and B, the Department of Public Utilities is expecting to see um, evidence that you've done all of these things and i i can check on the sequence with our mass power choice our third party that's helping run this but uh, i think the point about your question if i remember correctly was that would it be better to change the order of announcement to comment period yeah i was just thinking like if you made a a public presentation yeah I- Maybe it doesn't. You I mean they would be more educated, right. and their comments uh, or questions would be more robust. Right. Does that make sense? As opposed to a Q and A after a presentation, right? You'll have time to think about it. And and we did ask the vendor about that. It was kind of a related question, um, and their comeback was what the announcement does has um it raises interest and awareness and then um there's information available in the comment the the materials that's sent out for public comment um to to educate people on that but i i can double check i'm happy to take that one back and say does it make more sense to reverse Items two and three. I think that was your basic question. If I got that right, like you yeah. get better responses from the public if you gave a presentation and then let them comment, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you make them do a lot of work by reading the material, and uh, not everyone uh, does that. 
Sure. Okay. Except those with the serious interest or opposition. Yeah. Great. I'll, I'll bring that back. And this is perfect of, you know, why we're presenting to you all because you have some good ideas and want to make sure we're vetting this properly. So thank you for the question. Anything else on this, this one? I think it looks great, Tom. I am looking forward to more discussion on it. Good. Okay. And we'll, um, we'll be bringing, I think, a, a pretty well vetted, at least with the committee, uh, a draft education and outreach plan. I'm hoping to the select board mid at their uh, November 15th meeting. I think that's when it is, but uh, agenda is not available yet. So we'll see if we can get on that or not. Okay. So um, thank you for your attention on that. Uh, Patty, I don't want to commandeer too much of your meeting. Do you want me to just go through the su sustainable action plan? We just want to review it a little bit and then um, we can hold off answering, having questions and people can, if they have a question can, of course you do, you did receive the presentation ahead of time. You're welcome to reach out to Tom and forward any questions further. So we don't hold the meeting up to have our other hearing items addressed tonight. If that's okay, everyone. So translation, you want me to just do a quick overview? Okay, great. So the, the basic idea here, I don't know how many of you are familiar with a sustainability, sustainability or climate action plan, but I'm seeing a lot more towns uh, starting to develop these. Uh, example would be in Sharon, uh, Norwood has one, a couple of surrounding communities are talking about it, Milton's got one. Um, and the idea is that, you, you know, you basically, it's like a three-sided pyramid where you've got energy issues, climate issues, and environment, environmental issues all sort of out there happening. And um, the question is, are we doing what we need to do to manage and coordinate and uh, prioritize all the work that's associated with each one of these um, areas? And so I'm sure, most, if not all of you are familiar with the Canton Master Plan. If you take a look at the Master Plan, there's about 27 action items that fall into these three broad areas, energy conservation and generation, um, natural hazards and climate and the environment. The energy aggregation program I just briefed you on is one of the 27 line items and that falls under energy conservation and generation. So I was taking a look at the climate, or sorry, the master plan and looking at sort of how are all these different areas organized and related. And um, I had it, you know, presented to the uh, implementation committee, the master plan implementation committee. We talked that there is a lot of overlap. Um, the basic thing that's different from this list that we see in our master plan versus a sustainability action plan or climate action plan is there's no specific targets in the um, master implement master plan at Canton. So they're, they're general guidelines. They're not specific targets that we're shooting to achieve. Um, 
what we're seeing around the state is lots of different efforts, which are captured in in many parts, many ways, with the uh, master plan, energy efficiency programs, you know, the green communities, we can't as a green community, the building codes have just, uh, you know, they're rolling out pretty soon, advanced building codes, renewable energy, you know, solar development, we've seen some increase in solar development activity in Canton and uh, the electric vehicle stations. If you've been to uh, Pequot Side Farm, you can see the electric uh, vehicle charging stations that's been developed. Um, other big areas, vulnerability assessment, we've had one of those in Canton, hazard mitigation and so forth. So there's a, these are like all the big categories. And what you can see um, on the sustainability questions that I pose is, what does it look like? Here's a very high level view of what looks like. I'm just going to slam through these slides very quickly. Here's an example of a, a climate plan that's been proposed by the state of Massachusetts. And what you can see here in column one is the 2030 emissions limits and the 2050 emissions limits. And you can see actual power, including building and transportation of electricity, um, has a 70% reduction in emissions target by 2030 and a 93% reduction by 2050. Those are the examples of what we do not have in Canton today. And uh, you know, one of the kind of key questions for this group is, is there an appetite for that? Do we need to do that? Um, I'm seeing a definite trend moving in that direction, but I'm, I'm not sure Canton's ready or willing or interested in doing that. So that's part of the um, question for you, particularly in discussion question number two. Number three is what's involved? You know, if we were going to do this, what do you, what do you, the steps you have to go through? That's so that's steps one through five. And then back to this big question do we um, have an appetite for doing this in Canton? And um, what it, would it take to figure that out? So this goes well beyond the scope of what uh, the Energy Advisory Committee has been formed to do. We're just focused on that aggregation plan that I presented earlier. So I'm just throwing this out there as a trend, you know, when, when we're starting to put this aggregation plan together, you start, and I've been doing this long enough, you start pulling the string on one thing and something else shows up. And so I just thought this would be a good opportunity to present some ideas to this group and let you think about it. And obviously there's no real action item for you all other to consider that I welcome your feedback and um, happy to come back when we have some more time and, you know, dig into this. Is this something that Canton would want to see happen or not? And if so, what does it mean? So I think that's it, Penny, for the formal presentation. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that and, and all the information and we'll all take a look at it. And I'm sure all of us will have some questions to forward to you on it. Um, I know I have a couple that I have, so I'd be glad to uh, send them to you. Um, I'd like to make a motion that we move on to item number two. 632 Washington Street, the Happy Candler. I'll second. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. 
And I think we lost, did we lose? Oh, there you are, wonderful. Good evening. There you go, I'm off mute. Hi everybody, nice to meet you. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and make you a co-host if you want to show us your information on our screen. You're welcome sure. to do that. If not, are you able to hear me? Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Let me. Uh, this is my first time using Zoom at home, so I'm uh, hoping it works okay. Take yeah. your time. All right. Are you able to see? Yes, we are. So I believe that Owen, um, my sign guy, submitted the the view to you guys to review before the meeting. Um, we're looking at putting a rectangular, just a fairly small sign at 632 Washington Street next to Aria. Um, we're planning to open sometime in November. Great. I'm not really sure what else I need to well, here. just out of curiosity, I know there was some information in the packet that we received. The color of the actual happy smiley candle or flame, is that burgundy or is that more of like a burnt color? Yeah, it's it's like a rose reddish color. It goes, it actually is gradient from the bottom is black and then it gets um, more red towards the top. <clears throat> Excuse me. Does anybody else on the board have a question? I, I like it. I do, Madam Chair. Go ahead, David. Madam Chair, if I'm correct, doesn't our bylaws not allow for signs to protrude from the building at an angle? Um, I think, from what I re recall, it, it doesn't allow it. I think in this case, it was already a used sign that had been used as a sign prior when the barbershop was there. So they were repurposing what was there. I think the one, the stylists at 630 also have one that protrudes. It's round that they have a sign up there. And if that matters, it's a- yeah. No, um, but I, I, if it was a new sign, I, I mean, this is a new sign itself, but the location is a reuse. Um, I don't have an issue with it, but if you do, uh, Mr. McCarthy, we can discuss it further. Joe or Jim, do you have any comments? I know. Do we? Does someone want to make a motion to accept the sign as presented? I make a motion to accept the uh, happy candle or sign as presented. I'll second. David. No. Jim? Aye. Joe? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. Thank you for your presentation and good luck. So what does Look that mean to for your, me? That means the sign has been approved. You can give the information. We can go, you can go ahead forward with that um, document that you forwarded to us with the building commissioner so he knows you're going to be installing it. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone. Nice to meet you all. You're good welcome. Luck. Have a good night. Thanks, you too. On to item number three on our hearings, the reserve still water discussion and request for the remaining lot. Can I get a motion to open the matter? So moved. Can I get a second? I'll second. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. Joe? Aye. 
Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. Good evening, Brian. Hi, good, good evening. Thank you for having me back again to request the lot release. So since the last meeting, we completed the top course paving, which was the request for that lot 14 release. I submitted the form to Karen at the office and I'm here before you tonight to see if we can get that lot release approved. So I don't know if there are any questions, but I think we've done everything that's required to. Mr. Houston, did you have any comments on the matter? Uh, yes, Madam Chair. I just wanted to let the board know that I did observe the installation of the top course of paving uh, PJ Albert out of uh, Lunenburg, I believe, did the work. They're a very good paving company and the uh, there's no problem at all with the top course. It's properly installed. Great. Thank you, Mr. Houston. Was there anybody from the board that had a question or comment? I only had um, one issue and I really appreciate your efforts in reference to the replanting on Tucker Road. Um, I was going back through the trees that were um, chosen for consideration and I was hoping that one of them could be switched out um, in reference to the sumac. Massachusetts has listed that as a possible invasive now. So I was wondering if possibly you could switch it out for something that is uh, a native like witch hazel I know I'm going to mispronounce this, but Hamomalus Virginian, I think it's called. So. <laughs> it's close, close enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's so something that actually promotes pollinators and moths that, that are native to New England and Massachusetts. So if they possibly could switch that out, um, that, that would be uh, wonderful. I know there's 36 trees proposed. Uh, I know that you have a, a very uh, rigorous possible plant for watering the plants as well as dealing with the maintenance and pulling out the invasives. Did anybody see that information or have any questions on that? Yeah, so it, it's it's related to the project, but not not, not specifically the lot release, but if no, we could, could advance that as well tonight, that, that would be great. great. And, and I had submitted that as a follow-up to last meeting. I, we appreciate that. I just wanted to bring it up now. Um, if anybody would like to make a motion to release lot 14 at the reserve. So moved. Can I get a second? I second, excuse me. That's okay. Um, take a roll call vote. Joe? No. Jim? Aye. Kathy? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an I. Had a notice step and sign a lot release form, Karen. How, you need three signatures for that, or just mine? Three. Okay. Great. Take care of that. Thank, thank, thank you for the voting on the lot release. And it, as far as the plantings, we're we're comfortable moving forward. If that's the only change, if there's anything else, we're we're happy to work through it. Um, I think that there was only one other question or comment we had that was brought forward, and I know you've been addressing it, I believe, um, in reference to 
drainage or an easement drainage, I think you do need to come back before us for a modification of the plan for that. Am I correct, Mr. Houston, on that? Uh, <clears throat> I'm not recalling the... There were, there were four, I believe it was brought to our attention by engineering. There were four drainage uh, item easements that may not have been reflected on the original plan. And we would need a modification, it submitted for a modification, if that were the case. Uh, yes, uh, yes, that is correct. Um, it would be technically a modification, I believe, uh, not because of the easements, but because the easements contain uh, drain lines uh, for foundation drains. And they were not shown on the original subdivision plan. Uh, the subdivision here is a little bit diff different uh, because it's a flexible subdivision. So the planning board's authority really goes to not only the streets that we normally deal with, but in this instance, also the, uh, uh, the construction on the lot. So technically this uh, foundation drain system should have been shown on the original plan. So I think just to be on the safe side, it probably requires a modification. I would suggest to the board that it is a minor modification and does not require a public hearing, uh, but nonetheless, it should be, uh, should be voted as a modification. So um, uh, I think at an upcoming meeting, if uh, I know Brian, you were, try to get a little more information because the drain pipes themselves haven't been shown on a plan that I've seen. And also the foundation drains lead down to uh, the back of one of the lots that is immediately adjacent to land that's outside the subdivision. So if the intent is to have some kind of an infiltration structure there to intercept the foundation drain water, uh, that's fine. If the intent is to discharge it across the property line onto land that's outside the subdivision, that is a problem that really shouldn't be done. Having said all that, there should actually not be any measurable flow uh, in these uh, pipes because the building code uh, requires uh, and the town requires that the slab of each of the foundation basements be at least a foot above seasonal high groundwater. So because the foundation drains are theoretically above seasonal high groundwater, they really shouldn't have flow. The whole piping system is being put in kind of in an abundance of caution. But nonetheless, uh, we, we don't want to pipe uh, with a, a point source pointed at land that the applicant doesn't own. I know that uh, uh, Brian is aware of that. I am sure that they're planning to do something uh, down where the drain lines appear to empty down near the uh, border of the subdivision. So 
that's the whole deal. Some pipes that'll probably ne never have water in them, but the planning board should probably approve them, not because they're easements, but because their utility is not shown on the approved plan. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. I appreciate that. No, th thank you. Well, well, well said. Um, so we we put in these foundation drains again out of abundance of caution. It's a, it's a standard that we have a foundation drain to daylight with all of our homes, and so we'll we'll provide that detail. And our our intent is to infiltrate it at the end, if there ever is any flow, which there shouldn't be, because we are above high groundwater. But it's it's a standard we have with all our homes in, in case. For some reason, there is groundwater above anything that anyone ever expected. So we'll put together that detail. We will, you know, come to a future meeting if that's acceptable. I, I'm assuming it's a letter request for minor modification, and maybe, maybe we could do that at the next meeting. Yeah, I, I think it can be done by letter. Okay. That'd be great. We'll add you to uh, the November 16th agenda then, Brian, unless we hear otherwise. Okay, that, that sounds great. Thank you for reviewing it and going over this with us. Thank you. Thank you. And we look forward to uh, seeing those plantings in Tucker Road. Okay. All right. Thank, thank a, you, everybody. You're welcome. Have a great night. Okay. You too. Talk to you soon. Thank you. On to um, item number... Four, 1545 Dan Road. Can I get a motion to open the matter? So moved. So, can I get a second? I'll second. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. Joe? Aye. And I'm an I. Good evening, Melinda. Good evening, everyone. Um, how are you? So Melinda Costello with Weston and Sampson, engineering representative for NextGrid. Daniel Serber is on the call as well. Um, so last meeting, we talked about um, going back and looking at the stormwater analysis for the parking lot and seeing if we could do any improvements for water quality um, to increase the TSS removal rate for the parking lot with the project. Um, so we responded to um, Mr. Houston's response letter um, and addressed all his comments in addition to looking at that stormwater analysis um, and submitted that last week. So our, our stormwater analysis showed that there is no peak runoff um, from the project and there was no TSS removal rate before the project either. So what we did was we proposed um, catch basin hoods in all of the catch basins within uh, the limits of the array. Um, and we also included the um, flex warehouse project down gradient of the proposed project in one of the TSS removal calculations to show an added removal rate. So a portion of the, it's a Southern um, canopy has a total TSS removal rate of 85%. And then the Northern um, carport has a TSS removal rate of um, 25%, which the, with the catch basin hoods. Um, so we did look at that and improve the water quality uh, for the project. Oh, I think you're on mute. 
Yes, I've been doing that lately. Sorry, um, Mr. Houston, if you had any com comments on the matter. Uh, well, I did go through uh, the um, the applicant's latest submittal of uh, last Friday afternoon, and I think most of the um, most of the questions have been answered. Uh, our comment one, we had some concern that the uh, column locations for the um, well, the canopies might interfere with parking. Uh, the applicant is advised that they believe they can locate all the columns uh, at the edges of parking spaces. So there should be no loss. So I think that could be handled uh, with a condition of approval by the, uh, by the ZBA. And we might, might wanna mention that in the planning board's uh, report uh, to the ZBA. Uh, comment number four is one that I think is not fully resolved. We, we had a concern about the loss of parking during construction. And in fact, the, uh, the, the applicant's current estimate is that they will lose uh, 581 parking spaces while the canopies are being constructed. And that's a significant portion of the uh, parking spaces on the overall site. So I would anticipate that the owner of the property will have to develop some kind of a plan uh, for offsite parking. And there's really no information or no detailed information uh, about how that offsite parking or how the adjustment of onsite parking will be handled. So I don't think all that is something that the planning board necessarily needs to deal with before we issue our report. But I do think we should mention uh, to the ZBA that uh, we recommend that that information be provided because clearly we can't have cars parking on uh, on Dan Road and the, enough spaces are being lost uh, during construction that it is a uh, it, it is an item of concern uh, with respect to stormwater, which is really the the big concern that. Uh, we had before the applicant had a chance to look at it. Um, <clears throat> they are proposing to put hoods in all the catch basins that are on site. Uh, and that is a significant uh, improvement. We do have a concern about the particular hoods that are being proposed for these catch basins because they don't appear to have gaskets and they don't appear to have any mechanism to fasten the hoods to the side of the catch basins to create a watertight seal around the pipe. So oils and greases and fine particulates are probably gonna find their way around the hoods and get into the uh, storm drain line. So. Uh, we're recommending they take a look at that and specify another type of hood for the catch basins. The uh, uh, 
installation of the hoods is a great idea. We're just a little bit concerned that the particular hoods selected uh, may not be all that uh, all that effective. Um, the there was it's a little bit difficult to follow some of the um, uh, some of the drainage calcs because there is no plan that shows the areas tributary to the two design points. Uh, clearly, it's most of the parking lot uh, on that side of the building, but there's a measurable difference between the areas on the submitted calculations and the areas that were shown on the Flex Warehouse site even though they're measuring the same parking lot. So it's difficult to follow because there's no plan that tells you what the limit of the drainage areas are. And there's no labeling on any of the plans that show where the two design points are. Uh, the design point A, as I understand it, is that portion of the site that's tributary to the new infiltration basin on the Flex Warehouse site. And uh, design point B, I believe, uh, is on the southeast portion of that parking lot. And that does not discharge to the new infiltration basin. So uh, it's just a little bit difficult to follow without a plan. There's also some inconsistency in the labeling. Uh, the calculations, the TSS calcs and the narrative refer to it as design points A and B. The hydrocad calcs refer to them as design points one and two. So a little bit of uh, confusion there, but the, the overall idea is fine. Um, also the TSS removal calculations, I don't think they reflect the fact that there are actually two pipes that go into the new, uh, it's actually a detention basin uh, on the Flex Warehouse site. One of them does achieve in excess of 80% TSS removal because there's a proprietary water quality structure upgradient of the point of discharge. The other pipe does not have that water quality structure. So the TSS removal for that pipe is 25%. And the differentiation between those two pipes really isn't reflected in the, in the calc. So uh, they, they've come a long way in terms of the stormwater improvements. I think we need just a little bit of clarification as to exactly the mechanics of what's going on with the, um, with the stormwater upgrades. Other than that, um, See, we had uh, asked for some information uh, about uh, transportation demand management during construction, uh, providing some sort of guidance how the uh, applicant intends to uh, discourage and mitigate single occupant vehicle trips to the site. And the response said that the uh, the owner acknowledges that and is willing to tolerate the increase in traffic. Well, that's not really the point. The idea is to minimize the increase in vehicle miles traveled. So 
it's a pretty standard thing uh, to come up with some recommendations for that. Again, I don't think this is something that need be part of the planning board report, but I do think it would be useful for the applicant to provide some guidance as to what they intend to do about vehicle traffic during construction so that the Board of Appeals can consider that in their decision process. So I think that's where we are. There's a few outstanding items, but substantial progress has been made. Thank you, Mr. Houston. Are there any questions from the board? I um, I just had one question. Uh, it's specifically the bracket, the um, cut sheet bracket. Um, I'm just curious, the one that was Alpine Snow Guards, um, just for my clarification, this particular item, was is this in reference to the glass panels on the actual carport or is this for the edge of the carport? I'm just curious. Uh, for the edge of the carport. And I think it, it's fine. The only thing I looked on their website, and that's really a system. There are those brackets that are detailed in that attachment. And then there are also horizontal rods that uh, or perpendicular rods that attach to the brackets that actually keep the snow from sliding off. So uh, I'm sure somebody would figure that out, but I can't tell from the detail that we have if the intent is to install those uh, rods along the edge. You'd need to do that to have an effective uh, deterrence to snowfall there. So I think we would need that clarified too, Mr. Houston. If they're going to do that, um, we'd like to, to know if they're going to actually put the rods as well. I, I presume they are because it's kind of a system. It's just not not clear from the detail. Thank you, because I wasn't I wasn't clear either. Obviously, is this going to be specifically just for the carport or individual glass plates? But on the uh, solar panels, I wasn't sure. So thank you. Uh, does anybody want to make a motion on the matter? I was just curious. Madam Chair, I had a question about um, with with this five five hundred eighty one parking spots missing. Is that going to be a problem for for the town? I'm sorry, Joe, you cut uh, out for a second there. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, with all of the parking spots that will be missing and the traffic, is that something that is going to be a problem? Or go ahead, Daniel. Uh, thank you, sir. Um, so we have spoken extensively at this point with the property owner about the uh, construction loss of parking spots. And he said through, um, as of the COVID-19 pandemic, he's only seeing 15% of his total parking spots used as is today. Uh, and he was extremely confident that um, he could direct all that parking to the other side of the building uh, during that time plus uh, just make his tenants aware of what was going on. Um, and if need be, we can stagger these. Um, so the major construction, the part where we're actually disturbing the ground to put in the piers, um, we can stagger that. Uh, so people can park on half that. So we can generally hope to limit the loss to 300 spots at one time and not 500 um, in case things or moving faster or whatever. We didn't want to misrepresent the potential for 500, but that's not likely and not our intention. 
Excellent. David? Madam Chair, thank you. Um, uh, when you suggested a motion, um, uh, are, are you asking for a motion to continue this to the next meeting or were you thinking approval? I'm not prepared to approve this with the current um, uh, issues that Mr. Euston outlined that I would expect that they would come back with some more clarification on the drainage. I don't have as much concern over the parking stuff. I, I, I appreciate Mr. Euston's comments regarding making sure that they maintain the number of parking spaces. I'm more um, interested in getting some clarification on the hoods and the uh, drainage, stormwater drainage. Uh, Vice Chair, I concur with you. So if you'd like to make a motion to move the item to the next meeting, I'd be happy to entertain that. Sure. Could you give me the date of the next meeting? It is the 16th <laughs> of November. Thank you. I make a motion that we uh, move this. Um, uh, let me just get the uh, Dan Road uh, item to our November 16th meeting. Uh, we're assuming that at that meeting there, um, well, that's the motion. And I assume at the next meeting, we'll be able to have it all resolved um, with Mr. Houston and Melinda and her team working together to get it completed. I'll second that. Kathy? Aye. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. So with the items that Mr. Houston pointed out in reference to design point A and design point B and how the flow actually is between the two locations and the other items that we're concerned about with, with um, it not being a watertight gasket, um, if we, that could be addressed you, and you can come back to us, hopefully we can approve it on the 16th. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your time and have a good night. Thanks, you too. Bye. On to item number five this evening. I'll make a motion that we discuss updating authorized planning board signatories pursuant to Mass General Laws, Chapter 41, Section 81P. I'll second. Jim? David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. Joe, I'm sorry, we, I didn't hear you. Aye. Thank you, I appreciate that. So what we have to do here is every, we're supposed to update with Norfolk County um, and the deeds office, our signatures. And I just wanted you to all be aware that uh, there was a form that we all need to sign to put on file. I believe, Karen, you have a copy of what we need to sign. And I just wanted to, the reason we made a motion is each of us has to sign the paperwork since we are signatories for plans. So I know, Joe, yours might have to be done separately because you, you aren't here, but maybe we could wait until December when you are here and have you sign it then. That's okay. So um, I'll make a motion that we accept that we uh, all sign the paperwork. Can I get a second? Second. Second. Kathy? Aye. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. And that ends our hearing for the evening. We're on to review and approval of the minutes for the from the October 12, 2022 meeting. Kathy? I mentioned that we approve the meeting. Oh my gosh, the minutes from 10, 12, 22. Second. Jim? Aye. Joe? 
Aye. David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. Jean, thank you for joining us tonight. Were there any other questions anybody had that they wanted to address or anything that anybody wants on the next meeting? Seeing nothing else to discuss, I make a motion that we, unless you wanna say something, Mr. Manning, you're welcome to. No, I just wanna say hi, everyone. Um, it's great to thank be you. with you. I appreciate the invitation to the meeting and look forward to joining you in the future. You did, a great, you did a great job uh, presenting last night to the select board. So we appreciate uh, it. I think it was a team effort. I, I think you and Emilio were there. So uh, I'm sure you'll update the committee at your convenience. So uh, again, we appreciate uh, the support on that. Look forward to, um, to that event on the 29th. Wonderful. Well, I'll make a motion that we adjourn for the evening. Can I get a second? I'll second that. <laughs> David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. Jim? Aye. Joe? Aye. And I'm an aye. Thank you, everyone, for participating, and have a good night. Buddy. Be safe. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Houston. Thank you.